Please remain standing. I'm going to ask you to stand. I want to, before you head off, Jeff, first thank the choir. Thank you. And then Mary, thank you. And Jeff, Jeff Dahl, thank you very much. We so appreciate it. I think this is, I'll let you, thank you. Thank you. Um, before you be, are seated, just this is like your third year, I think, you've led us in this. And Jeff is the uh, leads the choir at the Wyazetta High School. So it is just a gift for us to have him lead our choir. And, and so thank you very much. Would you please turn and greet someone this morning and say Merry Christmas month, maybe. <laughs> Okay, thank you. Um, before I completely lose control of you, I did, I did want to say some of you have been um, looked at the app and we've sent out a questionnaire this week and, and it was kind of like, do you prefer artificial or real trees? Right? And uh, let me just ask you to raise your hand if you like artificial trees. That's the ones you prefer. Okay, well, you were the losers on the uh, app as well, so... <clears throat> <laughs> we are into genuine, authentic, real, sincere community and even real trees. Anyway, no, I'm just kidding. Um, so grateful for each and every year as we kind of come into this Christmas season. It's really interesting. It was a funny thing that happened to me this week as I was on my way to work. And, and you think about it, work is an interesting word when you um, feel called to do something. It's really not work. It's an expression of call. Anyway, I digress, so um, back to the story. I was driving along the expressway. You know the newly built expressway between, it's at 12, that one between Wyzetta all the way to Maple Plain goes out to um, Delano. You're aware of that one, which I always wonder why in the world do they call it an expressway? Because it's just two lines, two lanes, and eventually it was such a bad death corridor. In many ways, they actually put a, a strip there so you can't pass or do anything, and it's usually a parking lot. Well, as I was saying, I got sidetracked, I'm sorry. I was on my way to work, and uh, as our vision says, to do whatever it takes to serve the West Metro in the name of Jesus. And honestly, at 5.15 a.m. in the morning, going down that expressway, um, two hours before the sun's up to come to a Wednesday prayer time at 6 a.m., that vision, whatever it takes, was ringing loud in my ears. And as I was saying before, I got sidetracked, sorry. I was on my way to work. And um, don't you hate it when people get off on tangents? <laughs> Anybody know what I was even talking about? You ever do that where you kind of get off on a tangent, you feel like you to explain something, then you just try to get back on it, and then you try and explain that another really, and then you get to the point and you kind of go, I don't remember what I was telling, going to tell you. Well, if you're like me, which of course I am, um, (laughs) Mike Brinkman loves to say that, so I thought I would just steal his thunder. You're probably quickly becoming impatient with the person who's telling you the story, and they're constantly getting sidetracked, and you're thinking, get to the point, right? Stick to the story. Let's get there. 
Well, as I was considering these series of messages, which we've titled Retro Christmas, my first thought when I was actually preparing and getting this and thinking about this, but actually last spring I was thinking about these ideas, and, and, I, and, I, and the first things that just came to me, if we could just go back in time and celebrate Christmas like maybe we once did, I thought it would be nice to keep it simple. And we talked about that last week. Let's keep it simple. We went back retro all the way to Micah, little town of Bethlehem, we spoke about the simplicity of that. And, and then as I was um, thinking about it, I thought about this whole idea of just the need to stick to the story, stay to the main point. And what I find in our culture in the years that kind of has gone along, there's been digression upon digression and there's this continual stream of tangents from toys to Griswold Christmas vacation light homes, right? To Santa Claus, to holiday parties, and on and on. And, and there's a part of me, and I'm not a Scrooge, so it's not a Scrooge part, but there's a part of me from time to time to go, wouldn't it be nice just to keep it simple and to stick to the story? What Christmas is all about. So this week we're going to go retro, and we're going to look at what Isaiah had to say. I'm going to ask you to stand and we're going to read these words together, okay? It says here in Isaiah chapter 9, and as I share this with you, you need to understand that in 6, Isaiah gets a call, but in 7 through 9, it's a historical situation. And throughout this, there's many references to the coming Messiah, and it kind of crescendos in these verses. And let's read them together. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And on those living in the land of darkness, a light has dawned. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Let's pray. We pray, Father, into the darkness. Allow your light to shine brightly. Thank you for Christmas, the light that shone in Jesus. I would pray, God, that once again, You would comfort or encourage. You might challenge us to understand what this darkness is and what this light is and what Christmas is. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. In the few minutes that we have, I'd really like to stick to what I think is the story, which is captured in Isaiah. And Isaiah simply states the world was in darkness. And yet into it, a great light appeared. And as he goes on a little bit and talks about the joy, he moves to the point and he says a child was born. From heaven to earth, God sent the gift of his son, Jesus. And Isaiah is really interesting here because he gets right to the point. He's been in dialogue with a king named Ahaz and they've been going back and forth because The darkness of a couple countries around them and also then one larger country, Assyria, are beginning to loom and beginning to threaten this little country called Judah. And he gets right to the point. He says, here's the deal. 
The people, they're walking in darkness. They're living in a land of deep darkness. And in this darkness, he uses a past perfect. He says, a light has come. It's, it's as if Isaiah is looking in and he's there transported and he sees it and he's saying it. Not so much in the future, but he's saying it's here. It's appeared. And he, he's getting their attention and says it is a son. And it is Jesus. And this one who has come to rule has come to rule in such a way that his light will penetrate every and any heart open to him. And this light brings joy and comfort and peace. And the story of Christmas is this simple story of God coming to our world. He has not abandoned us to darkness. As dark as it may appear around us, God enters the darkness. He enters your darkness. If you open your heart and you're willing, we're told that he will be with you right where you're at. Like the relief felt when you have a light that is turned on and you've been walking, you know how you're walking, and it's just dark as can be in the light, and you just have this sense of comfort and relief and peace because you can now see your way. Or maybe something is lost and it's in the corner, it's dark, and you cannot see it, and, and, and you take your little iPhone or whatever phone you got and you turn on the little light, and, and now there's a sense of, ah, this is what was lost and can now maybe be found. So if we're going to stick to the story as Isaiah tells it, the very first thing that I want you to, to hear from this story, and just put it in words that I think can make sense to us, is God comes to those who have blown it big. Plain and simple, this is what the story is about. He, he comes to this King Ahaz, and, and he comes to these rulers and these leaders of the people of this, this, this kingdom, Judah, where Jerusalem is the capital. And he, and he comes to them, and he comes to them in the darkness of their defiance. And Isaiah comes to King Ahaz, and he, he comes to these people who are living in such a way that they have kind of their, their fists in the air. It's kind of like, in your face, God. We hear, we know, you've told us we're going to do our own thing. I'm going to do life the way I want to do it. I know your way, but I don't really care. It's a pretty strong stance. And it doesn't have to be one that's actually visually seen by others. You can be seen in your heart and only God sees that. You may look to everyone else like you're conforming, you're doing it, but in your heart you're going, yeah, I show up or I, I, I do some of the religious things, but you know what? God... I hope you'll bless me, but I'm doing it my way. Chapter uh, 8, just a little before this, verse 11, Isaiah says, The Lord spoke to me with his strong hand upon me. Here's Isaiah, this prophet. and I, I'd hate to be in his shoes because he's got to go deliver these messages. He says, God's strong hand was on me so much, so it's almost like his hand warning me that I should not follow the way of this people. And so here you have this situation, the context historically, Assyria up north is beginning to invade, it's invading to, to invade their, their northern twin brother Israel, and then you have another um, country as well, and those two are planning to invade Judah as a way of kind of staving off and holding off Assyria, and all this stuff is going on, and God comes through Isaiah to Ahaz, the king, and says, he gives this incredible offer. He says to them this. He says to Ahaz, this is back in chapter 7, verse 10. 
Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or the highest height. Wouldn't you love that if God was coming to you and he's saying, I want you to step on faith. I want you to follow me. I want you to go my way. And here's the deal. I will give you a sign. If you follow and you step into this, there will be a sign that will, that will confirm and affirm that you're moving in my direction and I'm with you and I'm going to care for you as you step into the light of what I'm asking you and calling you to do. You gotta go, boy, Ahaz, you'd be a fool not to, but Ahaz does what I think so often we do when we have the opportunity to move into light, to move out of our own defiance. And Ahaz um, makes a statement. He, he says, oh no, I couldn't do that. Here's a quote. I will not dare to put the king, my God, to the test. And that sounds really, really like he's humble, right? You heard of fake news? This is fake humility, Okay? There is nothing humble in this. He had already determined what he was going to do. He had already been making plans with Egypt to build a treaty. And God said, don't make a treaty. Don't do that. Just follow me. I will protect you. No, 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 no. And Isaiah says, hear now, you house of David. Is it enough to try the patience of me? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Here's the sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which is amazing to me that God still gives a sign to defiant people. God saying, trust me, follow me, depend on me, go my way. And King saying, no way, I'll go my way, I'll trust my own wisdom, I'll handle this on my own. And Ahaz does, the leaders do, until they eventually are led to the consequences of their choice and its darkness. In fact, the word of God actually says this idea of deep darkness. In Exodus, one of the curses says it was so dark it could be felt, which is, I think, what is going on here. They began to feel the darkness of their own choices and the consequences of that. And God calls to them and calls to them, and eventually he just lets them go their own way. They almost become deaf to his, his voice. When I was a kid, I had a dog. Um, our parents did. And uh, I, you ever have one of those dogs where you, when you, you go to open the door, you can only open it about this much, depending on the size of your dog. Because if you open up this much, which we did, this dog, which we named Heidi. So I, if anyone's Heidi, I just don't want you to be offended. It must have been a popular name at that time. So I digress. Okay. Anyway, the, Heidi would run out and we would yell her name. And every time, you know, we'd get like, if, if she was there, we'd get there and, and we'd call her name and she'd run the other way. Ever had that? And I could go on for an hour. Heidi and she'd run. This is what happens. God is calling to Israel and her leaders are merely running the other way. And eventually God says, go your way. Face the consequences, because maybe the consequences that bring darkness into your life and the pain of that experience might actually soften your heart. Maybe that'll soften your heart. I was thinking about it as I was writing this. How often do you think, some of these men that are in the headlines for the sexual impropriety, how often do you think they heard the voice of God through their own conscience? How often do you think the first time as, as they, they looked, as, they looked and, and, and God says, don't. Don't Stop looking at this person as an object to fulfill your desire. And, and they heard the voice the first time. And, and then they heard it the second time. And the third time it got a little quieter. And the fourth time they could barely hear it. And eventually they just went their way until they now are in this place of darkness. 
God called it Ahaz and God called it the people of Israel and eventually left them their own way and eventually they became lost. Living in the light of their own way but enveloped by their own spiritual darkness. They had blown it big. And here's what I think is incredible about the gospel. Even before they had faced the fullness of their consequences and others had been touched by it throughout the next hundred years or 400 years, God gives a promise. He holds out a, a, a promise of hope. He offers it even today. Isaiah looked into the future and stood as if he was standing in the future and he looked back and he said, there's a light. You can actually allow this light to penetrate your life. You can, if you choose, to just open your heart. Some of you are in that place and you've experienced the pain and the consequences. And God is just saying, I don't care how big it is that you've blown it. Even if you disregarded my voice, here's Christmas. I come with a gift to restore you, to remove your guilt, to take the shame and release it from you that you can walk with me. But there's also this idea of the darkness of defiance. When I think about blowing it big, some of you kind of go, yeah, yeah, I haven't done that. But here's, here's another thing that was happening. There's a whole lot of people there who weren't living defiantly. Whether their actions outside looked okay, but their heart was defiant, they were just distracted. They were just merely distracted from, from uh, following God with their whole heart. It doesn't have to be outright defiance. It can be just simple distraction. And that might hit home for some. Because we live in an age of distraction. You may be thinking at times, I I know I should give attention to following you, God, but for the moment I need to give attention to this. This is is more important. This This is what I gotta do. And I don't know what it was for them. I don't know what it might be for you, but whatever it was, it grabbed their attention and distracted them from putting God first and, and giving their whole hearts to him. There's a whole group of people where they were coming to Jesus at one point. They were distracted by life's concerns and opportunities. And Jesus, his heart just was so sad because he looked at him. He said, you know, if you would seek first my kingdom and, and put me first, I will help put all those other things in order. He said, it's not about compartmentalizing your life and thinking, okay, here's my faith and my religion. I'll put it here. and Here's my work and here's this. He said, no, if you just put me first, I'll penetrate into all these areas of your life. And one way to say this verse is in, in light of this Christmas story of Isaiah is seek God first and his light will clearly guide you into all you truly need and he will lead you into a life that is filled with his joy and the light of his presence. In a sense, he's just saying, give me your attention. Seek after me with your whole heart. You know what's interesting about defiance and distraction? They both lead to very painful and dark consequences. Isn't it interesting? One can be willful and the other one can be just not willful, but just being distracted. I have a dog that I used to love, another dog, older dog, Lila. She's no longer with me, but um, I loved her. She was not in one way defiant. She was the most compliant dog. If I called her name and it had a tone to it, she would just, oh, what did I do now? I have another dog right now that I call her name and she looks at me like, Yeah. So, what do you want? Yeah, I don't care to do that. It just does their own thing. But this dog, 
Here's the interesting about it. She was an incredible bird duck. She, she had the scent. She had worn out a trail in her backyard falling from tree to tree to tree to tree. She was, um, just loved animals. And before we had a, a, an electric fence, there's a time where she followed her nose and she wandered and she wandered. I was away. I got a phone call from my wife and she said, you know, gotta tell you, the dog's been lost. Okay. I called the police. Well, uh, hours after or so, she got a call from the police. They said, you know, we found a dog. It was miles away. And she said, in, unless you, unless it's your dog, we're going to probably impound it. It's black. It's, why don't you come get it? My, my daughter, Kenzie, who went to get the dog, finds the dog sitting in the dark under the car, shaking like this. It was just distraction. And uh, I, as my daughter told us, she just, she got down and she just called her name and the dog came running to her. I mean, you can drive distractedly or drive wildly and have the same dark, painful consequence. And the, the great news of Christmas is what I think about the distraction thing is God might right now be calling out to your heart saying, you know what, there's an area that I want you to give attention to. Because if you give attention to it now and don't wander off and let kind of like my dog's nose, the desire of your heart lead you to some place down the road, he might right now be saying, here's an area, I want you to pay attention to it. I want you to understand how much I love you. I want you to begin to take time on a regular basis and read my word because there's light in it for you. It may be that as you read it some weeks down the road, I will speak to you and actually prevent you from where you could end up. I want you to be with other friends where your faith is being formed, where your authentic relationships, because it could be in, in, the, in, in what someone else says, you hear your own heart and you go, boy, I need to hear that because my own marriage could be impacted if I don't take and pay attention to this. You see, these spiritual disciplines, even going to church, because it's so easy today in our day and age to go, yeah, I've listened to podcasts, I do this and that. It's so easy to say, you know, I don't necessarily need to pause once a week to recalibrate my heart, to, to just put myself in a position to hear the voice of God. Oh, yes, you do. And one of the reasons why is not because God's going, oh, that was good. He was there and doing this. It's because he loves you. That's the gospel. That's the good news of Christmas. That into the darkness, in a land where people have a tendency to walk in deep darkness through defiance, through being distracted, where they blow it big. He says, you know what? You can never blow it big enough. I am still. There is a light that was coming, says Isaiah. In fact, I see it. And we stand on the other side of it and say there was a light that came and that light we celebrate is for you no matter what pain, guilt, shame you feel from anything you have ever done. And the Lord Jesus Christ comes to say I love you and I forgive you. And to some, as you're getting distracted and, and you kind of said, yeah, you know, the church thing's okay and you put it into a compartment, he's gone, no. I just ask you to think right now, maybe is there something in an area that God's saying, if you just pay attention to this now, maybe it's a spiritual practice that you need to begin to get into 
Uh, as Mike said, when we get into this January, we're going to do a whole series on Thriver and the temptation of Christ and the spiritual disciplines that helped him thrive, not just to survive. You may need to say, God, what is the practice I need? Because if I don't, this room, this area of my life is going to get darker and darker, and I could, without even knowing it, trip up. Well, there's another aspect that um, really speaks to my heart about this. And it's this whole idea that God did not just come for those who have blown it big, but catch this, God has come for those who have blown it small. You're kind of going, what what, what do you mean blown it small? God doesn't just come for those who are in defiance and, and distracted, but he actually comes for those who can be deceived and in denial. Whether you agree with this or not, the Bible is really clear. All people are in darkness and all of us live in the land of living. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And it's not that we're not capable of doing good or we have sparks of light or we're able to shine with compassion and kindness, but deep inside, he says, lies the darkness. Until a person comes to grips with that, they don't really understand how much they need the bright light of the saving presence of Jesus Christ. I was, um, I grew up in a home that was a, a really good home. Uh, my, my dad was a pastor, so we went to church a lot. And there was, I said, you know, it's good. There was also some bad to it. The the good was that I knew about Jesus, the Bible, and I knew about spirituality. The bad was this. I didn't really know my own personal darkness. I thought my good was good enough. And on the same token, I didn't realize that my bad was worse than I thought. There was a time when I was asked to give a testimony. We're in some kind of a church choir, and your turn to give a testimony. I'm thinking, testimony? I'm 15. I'm thinking, that testimony is a story about what Jesus did. He brought you from the light, from the darkness into the light. And I'm thinking, I haven't really done anything big. I don't have any big consequences. And I kept thinking, boy, it's too bad I wasn't, you know, living some immoral life where I've been in prison or I've been on the, you know, whatever. Then I'd have a story. And I didn't have a story. And I remember that plaguing me for the longest time until I was about a few years later because I kept just wrestling with, I kept thinking, you know, I haven't really done anything big. What is God, are you saying, what is Jesus saving me from? You ever felt that way? If you've grown up in a, in a home where it's really pretty good, until one day, and some of you may remember this, there was a massive blackout in New York City. And there was all kinds of vandals and all kinds of crime. And in the New York Times, I was reading this article. And as I was reading the article, it talked about people who had been picked up, who had, who had been stealing, and they had been caught for theft. And, and they were good people. And they looked at them. They didn't have any record of doing anything wrong. In fact, if they were asked, a lot of people would go, I, really? They did this? And here was the defining thing. The environment was so dark that what was within their heart came out. And I remember myself thinking at that point, gosh, God, I've grown up in this good home. I have this environment where all these values and things have been placed around me. But what if, just what if, this heart was born in a place, in the inner city, in a place where it didn't have any of that stuff? I knew the seeds of darkness in my own heart. By the grace of a good family, had never had those boundaries taken away so that the seeds of that dark heart would actually be in a place where the full expression of it could take place. And I remember at that point, I said, I I need you, not just to kind of reform that, but to actually regenerate, give me a heart that is like your heart, that is full of love. 
and it wasn't like there's this immediate, you know, you know me well enough that I'm still really working on all this stuff. But it was a critical decision. I can tell you today where I'm at. I honestly believe this from my heart. If it wasn't for Jesus, I probably wouldn't be married, enjoying a family, being in a place where I am expressing my heart and life. So I don't care if you've blown it big, but some of you need to hear, you've got, I haven't blown it real small, and God is saying, no, it's not about how small it is, it's about your heart. And it's the self-protective patterns that you've grown up with. It's some of those kind of things that are that you don't even see that create the very problems, the very issues in your marriage and in your life with others. And, and, and it keeps you from knowing the depth of my love. Do you know what? You will not feel greatly forgiven if you don't realize there's a lot to be forgiven for. So if you think it's small, you're not going to need a lot of light if your darkness is not that big. And, and God might be speaking to you about this. Because you really do need a story. You need a story about the grace of God coming into a heart that has seeds of darkness that need to be uprooted and given a new heart. And you maybe have never asked Jesus come in and do this. It's just such a simple prayer where you just say, Jesus, I need you. I recognize that I've been living on the good, small things of my life when I recognize the really big, good things you want to do can only take place when you take those seeds of darkness out and put your light into my life. And I ask you to do that today. There's one last thing. And there is a darkness. It's not so much that you've blown it big or you've blown it small. And, and, And catch me on this. Some of you have darkness touching your life and you haven't blown it at all. Okay, I'm not saying you're not without sin. We are all with... I'm talking about the fact that you're living in a dysfunctional world and you feel the pain of someone else's sin. Their choice has borne out consequences that you are experiencing. Because we live in a world where the consequences of the very result of sin entering in hurts and causes pain for others. A person's defiance impacts you or your business or your family. A person's distraction ends up hurting or harming someone you love. A person's denial, small as it may be about what they seem to be denying, keeps you from knowing and experiencing all that you are called to experience. Think about it. One of the greatest difficulties for some at Christmas is the very joy itself. While people are in festivities and their very season of joy, there are some among us who are reeling from the darkness of pain due to this dysfunctional world. I, um, I asked Lauren if she would come and share. Lauren is a part of our grief support group, which is a group for those who have experienced uh, the pain of loss. And um, what's interesting is when you have loss, it's like an ache that it's, it bumps you as a reminder throughout the season when people have joy um, you see other couples together and you don't have your spouse. You see perfect families in your eyes and yours isn't when you get together and you go, oh, I can't hardly wait to not be a part of this. Some of you are alone. Some of you are living away from home. And, and when you see others, you see the joy. It bumps it and it aches and it throbs. And you're reminded of the darkness. So I thought I'd ask you just to tell, how is it that you got into this ministry of grief support where people come together in groups, in, in this group, you know, they share some of the pain and darkness they're experiencing in this season. A grief journey. <laughs> <laughs> My grief journey began when yes. I was 13. Um, 
my sister, who was 20, was killed, hit by a car. And at that time, I felt like I lost my parents, too, because they were stuck in their grief. Um, So it was a tough time. Fast forward 32 years, when we came to this church, I was looking for a ministry that I could share myself into, and someone said I should talk to Beth Moorhead. So I went and talked to Beth and shared my story with her, and she said, why don't you join us in Grief Share? Because I wanted to be able to share, God turned my pain into his purpose, so I thought I could use it. So I joined her in Grief Share, and now it's been eight years, and what a blessing to sit in other people's darkness, sit next to them, and watch God work. Watch God take their tears and turn it into joy. Watch him comfort those who mourn, literally. And so to build that trust. And not only am I a facilitator of Grief Share, but over those eight years, I lost my mom in 2013. So I'm grieving with my grievers in the group. And I lost my dad this past October. Again, a grieving facilitator in Grief Share. God has me in the perfect place. And, and it's so interesting the way God uses us. We all usually come with, the best is when you come with your own pain, the, the identity of that. Um, what, what makes um, this season so tough for some of those that you're with? Well, a lot of people share that they can't find their joy, and that's normal. We're a bundle of emotions when we're grieving, and joy is not at the top of the list. Um, so it's normal to not feel your joy, and the season is kind of, singing and celebrating and looking at us like we should be joyful and we are required to be but we're not so that's normal yeah so what would be some just practical suggestions that could maybe help people who are in this or are with people or near people who are experiencing this right now well number one is just to remember god is with us and a lot of times when you're sitting in grief share or you're sitting in your own grief at home suffering a loss of any sort you don't feel like God's with you. And to just know that he is and trust that. Um, number two is just to give a voice to your pain. And that's where Grief Share comes in handy is because people can come and talk about how they feel. And like me at 13, my family was grieving. And other people, when you lose family members, the rest of your family's grieving. So we're not there to support each other very well because we're grieving. Right. So to find a place to talk, a friend, a counselor, or a grief share group is helpful. Just to give a voice to how you're feeling. Um, step into your pain. We're actually giving a voice to how you're feeling. You can also journal and you can also do prayer. And the end of Grief Share, prayer time is so sacred that we all come together and pray to God and give him our pain. And that's amazing. So in One a group- of the things, when we just started talking about doing this, you mentioned to me that verse where Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. And part of the problem, yet you can remember God's with us. But giving a, a, a voice to your pain, actually entering into a group where you actually talk about it, um, it's interesting, he says, blessed are those who mourn. It's almost this idea, if you hold it in and no one knows, you can't be comforted. And until you actually give that pain a voice, you don't have someone to come around you. And, and so that's one of the real well, practices. Well, also hear from the other people in the group 
the little joys that they're seeing and, and to hear that you can re- realize that oh I saw that joy in my life I just missed it um, also walking into your pain it, I, when we start a grief share program I am astounded at the bravery of these people walking in it's not where you want to go to sit in a room and cry with other people you want to tuck it in and pretend it's not there and act like you feel good but Walking into your pain and letting the tears flow and just being who you are is probably the healthiest thing you could do. Your tears are healing you. So in the holiday season, if you don't feel your joy, it's okay. Just yep. walk with it. Yep. So just kind of step into your pain. So and then and one last thing, if you were to kind of or a couple of things, if you want to just give a couple more suggestions. Um, well, walking in your pain and then trusting God and just giving it to Him is. Yeah. You had mentioned once to me about honoring your loved one. Oh, yes. That's, I think, An important I thought part was important. for the holidays, when yeah. it's a holiday season, is that your traditions are going to change because you've lost someone. And pulling out stockings or pulling out things that remember of your past traditions are going to be an ambush of pain. So you can find new traditions to honor your loved one. You can have a meal that they loved and all sit around and enjoy mm-hmm. it and remember them. You can... Um, give a gift that remembers them, um, light a candle in memory of them, so you feel like you're honoring that person and they're still a part of your holiday season, but yet you're moving on and your traditions are going to change and just know it's going to be different. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Lauren, for sharing mm-hmm. those things. I really appreciate it. Beth oh. has a couple of oh, yeah. you Beth really, has a couple of that's these a good thing to share. <laughs> surviving the holidays when you've lost someone in her office, and there's also griefshare.org. If anyone wants to just go check it out, and feel free to come to any of our sessions. Yeah, great. Thank you. I'm going to ask you to... Yeah, thank you. I'm going to ask you to stand, if you would. And we just have a few moments, and kind of just stand. I'm going to ask you just to, to, to bow your head, to close your eyes, to take a moment to... You know, as you just... Reflect for a moment. We don't get a lot of reflection time. I'm going to ask you if the Holy Spirit is has been really has been speaking to you. It could be about defiance or distraction. It could be that it's just something small and you have not paid attention. You've been in denial. You've been deceived. And God's beginning to show you. Maybe over the last, this is just one more voice of God over the last few months that have been saying, you know what? That thing that I've been pointing out isn't little. It could be really big. It's the reason I um, came to bring you light and into your life. To forgive you. To give you a new heart. Some of you are in this darkness and it is the dysfunction of a world that is not as God intended it, but as God is now redeeming it. And you feel pain, loss, lack. You're afraid. You could even be angry. I don't know what God is doing in your heart and your life right now. I do sense that God is saying to some I feel there's a few here that God is saying quit holding your hand up and going your own way. 
it's, it's not going to end well. I'm letting you see the consequences of this in our own society. There is always a day when God steps in out of deep love to bring about a revelation of the darkness. And it may be today that God is saying to you, in and in, in maybe you've experienced this distracted place, and he's just saying, I love you so much. I love how you give your heart to your work, but I, I, I would like a, not just a piece of that heart, I'd like your whole heart so that I can put all this stuff in place in order. I love how you love your family. It's a great thing, but you know what? Loving your family without me being first is, is going to put you in a place that it'll, it, it'll be difficult. And, and some will experience difficulty just because of this dysfunction. But the light of Christ is with you. Jesus loves you. Father, thank you. We really want to pause at Christmas. We really want to kind of keep our finger on the story of Christmas, of a God who comes to those who have blown it big or small, or maybe not at all. But in every one of those places, you want to give your light and express your love. Help us, God, to be lights wherever we go. Help us to love as you love. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Merry Christmas.